0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is an ancient story that is attributed to a variety of sources. And you may have heard it. But if you haven't or if you need a refresher, it goes something like this. There was once a very old man who knew that he was going to die very soon. And before he died he wanted to know what heaven and hell were like so he went to the wise man in his village and asked him to tell him about heaven and hell and instead of telling him the wise man said come with me and i will show you first the wise man took the old man inside a large house where they found a large dining room with an enormous table covered with every kind of food imaginable. But around the table were many people who were all thin and all hungry because they were holding 12-foot-long spoons, and their arms weren't long enough to, to get the spoon in their mouth. They weren't 12 feet. And so the food would fall off the end of the spoon, and they couldn't eat. The old man said to the wise man, surely this must be hell. Will you now show me heaven? The wise man said, yes, come with me. The two men left the house and walked farther down the path until they reached another large house. Again, they found a large dining room, and in it a table filled with all kinds of food, except the people around this table were happy and well-fed even though they, too, held the 12-foot-long spoons. How can this be, said the old man? These people have 12-foot-long spoons as well, and yet they are happy and well-fed. The wise man replied, well, in heaven, people feed one another. It's such an obvious solution, staring them right in the face to feed another, and to let ourselves be fed, to depend not on ourselves, but on another for the thing that we need. And yet, it is a solution that those trapped inside this version of hell completely overlook. It seems as if they are so fixated on being self-sufficient, on doing something for themselves that will address their own need to be fed that they don't consider relying on another. They don't consider being dependent upon another. Now, this sermon is not about heaven or hell, or what heaven and hell are like, or where they are, or how they exist. But I do think that this story might help us to approach our gospel reading this morning and more fully comprehend some of the implications of the gospel reading. Because this gospel is full of contradiction, full of tension, and on first pass, it doesn't really seem to make much sense. A wealthy man comes to Jesus and asks what he can do to inherit eternal life. So from the get-go, this man is asking something that is impossible. We cannot really do anything to inherit something. Inheritance, by definition, is something that is given, something that is bestowed upon us by those who have come before us. According to the Google Dictionary, to inherit something is to receive or to be left with something, an object or a situation, from a predecessor or a former owner. Or it is to derive a quality, a characteristic, or predisposition genetically from one's parents or ancestors. In other words, we really can't do anything to inherit, because that's not how inheritance works. It just is. But instead of going into this with a wealthy man, instead of explaining this concept to the wealthy man, Jesus sends him off to do something. To give away the very things that are often inherited for the benefit of those who are poor. And the man walks away grieving because he had many possessions and his disciples are left perplexed and astounded but then it gets even more confusing because the same Jesus who led the wealthy man and those who are listening to believe that achieving eternal life is as easy as following the 10 commandments and selling one's possessions for the benefit of the poor goes on to then say in a rather absurd fashion that it's actually impossible. We can't do it. In fact, He says that it would be easier for a six to seven foot tall camel weighing in at roughly 1,000 pounds, according to Google again, it would be easier for that camel to fit through the few millimeters of the eye of a needle than it would be for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, it is an absurdly impossible task. Thankfully, though, for the wealthy man and for us, Jesus does not leave us there. Instead, Jesus proclaims that while entering the kingdom of God may be impossible for us to do on our own, with God's help, it is made more than just possible. It is made a reality. So then the question becomes, why did Jesus tell the man to go sell all of his possessions? What's the point of the wealthy man going off and doing this if the action in and of itself wouldn't actually lead him to the kingdom of God? And what does it mean for us and for all of the things that we have? I think that the answer lies in one very important sentence in our gospel reading. The author of the gospel states, Jesus looked at the man and loved him. He looked at the man and he loved him. So it seems to me as if in some ways the wealthy man was already standing in eternal life, in the kingdom of God, because he was standing within the loving gaze of Christ already. The love of Jesus, the love of God, which makes manifest the kingdom of God or reign of God here on earth was already present in this encounter, and the wealthy man kind of seems missed it. In his quest to do what he thought he needed to do to attain what cannot really be attained by our own actions, the wealthy man overlooked the obvious reality of Jesus' love, the obvious reality of the kingdom of God present right before his eyes. Just as the people at the dining room table in our story missed the obvious solution staring them right in the face, the need to depend solely on another to be fed, so too did this wealthy man miss the obvious reality literally staring him right in the eyes the loving gaze of Christ beckoning him into soul dependence upon the God who welcomes him into the kingdom of God. And so it seems possible that in his love, Jesus told the wealthy man to go and give away all he had so that this man who possessed all of the things, the things that the world says that he needed to possess could gain the one thing that his heart truly longed for, eternal life with God. Jesus sent him off to let go of those things which held him captive to the ways of this world in order that he might be set free to see that he was already standing in the kingdom of God. Jesus sent him away to sell all of his possessions so that the man might know that it is not so much about doing things or acquiring things that grants us entry into the kingdom of God, but it is about letting go of those things which distract us. Letting go of those things which distract us from realizing the obvious reality that we are already standing within the loving gaze of Christ That we have already been welcomed into the kingdom of God, that death has already been defeated, that light is already shining into the darkness, and that our hungry souls can be fed if only we would depend on God. So I think our reading this morning is inviting us to the holy and difficult task of looking at ourselves and identifying those things which hold us captive to the ways of the world and oblivious to the abundant reality of the reign of God. This reading asks us to consider how our wealth and our desire for worldly possessions cause us to overlook the obvious reality of the kingdom of God present here in this world, It asks us to consider how our beliefs, how our worldviews, how our values and our priorities, which are informed often by the ways of the world, are keeping us from the ways of God. And it asks us to consider how our own needs to be self-sufficient, independent, and productive. I'm talking to myself here. Keep us from fully depending on the God whose loving gaze has already settled upon us. So, friends, I invite you and me to take a moment to bask in the loving gaze of God and let the warmth and light of that gaze shine into the dark and broken parts of ourselves I invite us to bask in the loving gaze of God and let that gaze silence those voices within ourselves which tell us that we alone are somehow responsible for our own salvation. I invite us to bask in the loving gaze of God and loosen our grip on all that distracts us from the truth that there is nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life. Because with God, all things are possible. And we have already been invited into and are standing in the kingdom of God.